the dedications, obviously this morning, and then we have baptisms here just in a little bit. And, you know, both of these things, um, one of the powerful parts of this is that it's a, it's an outward profession, you know, of our, of our faith. It's an outward profession of our belief in who Jesus is, what he came to do, and who he is in our life. And, uh, you know, and I want to talk to you just in a few, the next number of minutes today. This will probably be just a little shorter of a message than usual with the things going on. But I want to talk to you about the power of a testimony. Okay, the power of a testimony. And starting out, just ask yourself this question as we begin, is what has God done in your life that's worth talking about? What has God done in your life that's worth talking about? Because if we really examine the way Scripture lays out this walk with Christ from the time we receive Him until the time we leave this earth, then you can't show me that it doesn't support, you, that you can't acknowledge the fact that we are meant to live a life that is continually uh, experiencing God's power, His provision, his supernatural abilities, that we are not constantly uh, coming into moments where we're encountering God in powerful ways for who he is, and that we are building a, a series, if you will, of testimonies and things that we are personally walking through where God is showing himself real in our lives, reminding us that he loves us, and uncovering the truths in his word of scripture and, and doing that in such a way where it's happening in a very real and tangible way in our own lives. Where we're not continuously coming to moments where we're seeing God do things, we're seeing things happen because we're devoted to his will. Where we can continually look back in scripture and say, I know that's true because I've seen it here. And I know that's true because I've seen it here. And so our lives as we walk with Christ in obedience and willfulness following him should always be a life that is building testimony after testimony. And why is a testimony so important? Well, first of all, if you look at what a testimony really is, there's a few different words used in the Bible for it, but they all pretty well are similar in the fact that they even they compare it to like being in a court case, right? Where you're presenting something, uh, evidence, and you're bearing witness to something before a courtroom or before a judge, and it's being accounted to you as being true and accurate and, and nothing false about it. And so when we give testimony to something, we are basically proclaiming or stating or bearing witness to things that we have personally seen, heard, and witnessed ourselves. We know them to be true. There is no way that there is anything or anyone that could refute that in our own mind, in our own heart, because we have seen it to be so, all right? And, and Jesus said in John chapter 3, he said, most assuredly, I say to you that we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And so when we are giving testimony, all right, we, we, are, 
we're proclaiming truths of the word of God, but we're doing so in such a way that is painting a picture or illustrating them in an exemplary way. They've been exemplified. They've happened in our own lives and we've seen it. And so we're giving credibility to these truths as we've personally bared witness to them. And so my point earlier was that a life of a, of a Christian following God should continuously be uncovering and, and writing chapters and books of testimonies that are just unfolding one after another. And some seem to be very long seasons in duration, and some are very short seasons in duration. I don't know that that matters that much. All that I really know that is important is that we are constantly building testimonies that are bearing witness to the goodness and the favor and the power of the God that we serve. And so we know from the, from the scriptures in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, we can put that one up there. It says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and what? The word of their testimony. And there's so something about having a testimony and being able to give that testimony that allows us as we move through future situations in life to be able to overcome them, to advance through them, and to still have the victory over whatever it is that may challenge us or threaten us to be deterred from God's will for our life. So there is power in the testimony. Okay, say that. See, there's power in a testimony. Now, I just, I want to quickly, if hopefully I have time to do this, I want to take you through three, three stories in the Bible. I forgot to bring my Bible up here. Shame on me. Three stories in the Bible that talk about testimony. And I want you to see, because there's a few different things that we can take out of each story that uh, show us how powerful having a testimony and then being able to proclaim that or live by that are. The first one we're going to go to is in Acts chapter 4. Now, um, I'm just going to jump through the stories a little bit, but let me give you some preface. This is a situation where Peter and John have been arrested. They're in prison, okay, and they're getting ready to sort of go on trial, if you will, and uh, before the authorities and I believe the high priest here. Um, and what happened is, is right after Pentecost occurred in the upper room, Peter and John, they're preaching to multitudes of people. The church is growing. People are getting saved, and they go outside one of these days, and there's this lame man sitting at the front door of the church, and they go out, and he's asking for money. Many of you know this, and they say, well, silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have we give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk, and this guy gets healed. This guy that's been lame from birth, flat out, gets healed, gets up, starts walking, jumping, leaping, goes into the sanctuary, and people are just like freaking out. Like, what is going on, right? And so there's this power that's been released in their lives, and they're, they're now walking in it. And so the, the Pharisees and the ruling authorities, they don't like this because this is disrupting their rule and their authority. It's threatening where their position, right? And so they have them arrested. They put them on trial, and they're, they're holding them accountable to these things. And this is what happens. First of all, in verse 1, it said, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed, and they taught the people, preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, 
And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So already we see that they're, they're giving testimony, they're bearing witness, people have seen this thing happen, and, and, and they can't stop it. Like, the word is spreading, and people are just coming in droves to hear and find out about how these, this man was healed, and they're hearing the message of the gospel and they're, they're getting saved themselves, right? So then we jump down into verse 7. It says, And when they had set them in the midst, that's Peter and John there, they asked him, By what power or what name have you done this? And then Peter filled with... So right away, when something happens that you have a testimony of, right, people start asking, what has happened, right? So he's saying, Well, by what power have you done this? He says, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has he has been made well? Let it be known to you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. And so our testimonies, right? I mean, really everybody here has a testimony. Peter and John have a testimony because they saw it happen and God used them to do it. And then this lame man, he has a testimony because he's the one that got healed. And so when you have a testimony to share, people are going to ask you about it because it's worthy of being asked about. It's noticeable. It's something that's occurring that people are interested in or, you know, there's, there's something that draws them to it. And it's an opportunity for you to share something that God has done in your life that's going to point the arrow to him and give him the glory. How many people know God is totally into that, right? And so when we have a testimony, it's an opportunity for something, for God to do something even uh, greater beyond that testimony that we ourselves have experienced. So we jump down into verse 13, and I'm, gonna, I'm moving fast, so I hope you can keep up with me today, but I want to get through all this. And it says in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Stop right there for a second and think about this. When you have a testimony to share and, and, and people are bearing witness to that and God has done something in your life, look, and I love this, but it is going to be evident. They may not necessarily be believers, but they knew, it says right here, they knew that they had been with Jesus. People should know that you are walking with the Lord. There should be evidence of that in your life. Not because you have to jump and scream and yell it out all the time, but because the things that are happening in your life are worthy of testimony. They're being displayed before people, before men that you walk through, and they could recognize and see, man, something is going on. This person is, you know, following God. This person is, 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 believes in Jesus. And so there should be that uh, acknowledgement and that understanding that people are aware that there's, there's something behind what's happening that doesn't originate with you, right? And then in verse 14, it says, And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. They had nothing that they could say. Now, look, people can argue with you, and they can debate with you about some of the things in Scripture. And let's be honest, most of us, in a lot of ways, there's scriptures that maybe we don't, we can't quote them or we don't necessarily remember all of them or we know we've heard this, but we can't necessarily remember where it was if it comes to like a theological debate. But when it comes to testimony, there is nothing 
that anyone can say to refute that. There is nothing that anyone could say to argue. I mean, listen to what the most educated Jewish scholars are saying. They're saying, and seeing the man who was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. What can we say that can argue with a testimony that God has done in someone's life? Jumping down to verse 16, then it says, What shall we do with these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. It is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them from now on that they speak to no man in this name. And so they called them and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Now, does that sound, I mean, first of all, that sounds kind of crazy, right? So that no more miracles could be done. They acknowledge something has happened. We can't deny this. We can't explain it. Uh, it's definitely real. And now, for whatever reason, they're, they're trying to suppress it and they're trying to silence it, right? But what happens from here is amazing. Then Peter and John, after they tried to silence him, they answered and said... Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. When God does something in your life, when he, when you bear witness to the reality of a, of a supernatural God, of a creator of the universe... It's not just a thought. It's not just an idea. He's real, man, and he, he's done something, and you see it. You can't help but share that. You just can't help but speak of the things you have seen and heard. And trust me, God will give you plenty of opportunity and times and places to be able to share that good news and that evidence that you've bore witness to of what God can also do in the lives of other men and women. Awesome example. They could not help. They're being threatened to be quiet. Don't talk about it. There is an ignition in you from a testimony being birthed. There is a propelling of you forward. It says, I, there's just nothing that can, I know what I saw, and I know what's happened, and no one can argue against it. Let's jump to John chapter 9. And let's look at another one of these. John chapter 9. And uh, there's a man that's born blind at birth. Starting in verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents have sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So look, right off the bat, there's, there's an inconvenient, undesirable situation that this guy has found himself in for his entire life, which is very uh, unfortunate, you know, for those years that he lived without sight. But what does Jesus say? It's not because he sinned or his parents sinned, but because the works of God should be revealed in him. And just to point out that many things that you're going through, many things that you face that are undesirable in your human nature, and they just, they always probably will be that way as you move along, but therefore God the good works of God, the good things of God to be done in you and to be shown or brought or just displayed among people that you know. 
right? That, that, that it's not necessarily that you're making all kinds of mistakes or that you're in sin or that you're doing all the wrong things. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but it's not just because of that that we sometimes find ourselves in trials and adversity and undesirable moments, but it's God setting you up, allowing things to just come into line for his good works and power to move in that situation and then basically to be on display, to be able to have a testimony birthed in you that you'll then carry forth forward for the rest of your life that no one will ever be able to tell you isn't the truth or isn't the case and then those things will be rooted in scripture because they'll line up with who Jesus is and what he said he would do in you and what you have in him right so it will be a powerful thing I want to just give you a quick example of this Dan Loatters and I'm gonna have him come up here for just a second okay Dan a few years ago was had stage four leukemia stage four leukemia go ahead and come on up Dan is that all right Okay, at stage four leukemia, and he was diagnosed, and I mean, many of you know, that is, that's not a very good picture, right? I mean, the, the outcome of situations like that are usually not good, and, uh, and Dan was forced to come into a position where he really stood on his faith and had to really believe that God could heal a man, that he could heal him of sickness, just like all these stories talk about. Dan had to really believe that for himself, right? And just a long story short about his testimony, he can give it much better than I can, but, you know, he went through chemo. He never lost his hair. The doctors were absolutely amazed at how his body responded to chemotherapy. He never lost any weight, and he was completely healed from cancer, completely healed. And Dan stood on that healing, right? And so... Is this working? Can we turn, turn one of these up? Stand over here. So, <clears throat> let me just show you. Hello. Why, why is it so important that we have a testimony? So, Dan, uh, you know, look, I don't know. I mean, I know you talk about this God and stuff that you serve or whatever, but I just think it's kind of like, you know, a lot of wishful thinking, you know, a lot of feel good. People just kind of get overly zealous and stuff like that. I mean, what, what do you say to that? I mean, how do you even know that it's real? It's just like, you know. You know when you know. When you put everything that you have on God and you look at God for all your answers. Whenever they told me I had stage four leukemia, of course, the first thing goes to your mind is how's that happen? You know, I don't have that in my family. Um, I'm, I, I, I don't know where that came from, but right away I looked at my life and I said, you know, I can either stand on God's word or I can believe the world and what the reports of the world is. And I said, I can either take this report or I can take the one I had 2,000 years ago. And I said, that's it. I'm putting everything I have on God's word. I'm healed. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, healed. I mean, really, does God do that? I mean, I know that, like, there's stories in the Bible that say that and everything, but really, I mean, does God really heal people? He heals now. those that believe and have faith in his word. How do you know that? I know that because he's done it in my life, and I've, and I've seen it. Everything that the world told me, you're going to vomit. You're going to lose your hair. You're going to lose your weight. 
your white blood cell count is going to be off the charts, uh, over 120,000 when everybody else is at 10,000. When the world tells you that friends, family, and everybody looks at you and go, oh my gosh, what's happening to you? And you say, I'm healed because God did this by his stripes. I'm healed and I stand on that word. And you stand on it above all other things that come to you. God puts that in your life and his word becomes flesh. I didn't, after one week of chemo, the doctors couldn't believe it. I had no signs of leukemia was left my body. And I never had a, I, I knew that God's a big God. So I said, God, through this, I know I'm going to be healed, bottom line. But bigger than that, even, I know that you're a big God and love me. So I'm not going to even have any effects of this chemo. That's God's key. That, I mean, that's man's chemo. I could be healed, but still the chemo is going through my body. I, you, lo you lose your hair and all the other things. I said, but you know what? You can keep me from that too. Yeah. And I know he will. And he did. That's awesome. Thanks, Dan. Now, do you think that the greatest theologian, scholar, intellectual mind in this world could convince Dan Lewatters that God doesn't heal? It wouldn't happen, would it? It wouldn't happen. So many times we desire to be intellectually astute and knowledgeable. I'm not saying that's not a worthy pursuit. I'm just saying, man, that, that is what God uses. The testimony birthed in a heart of his truth, of who he is, revealed to a man never to be changed again in that heart and mind and be able to be used in future situations for more faith, for more power, and more opportunities for God to display who he is. I'm just going to finish with this story here. You know, I love this one. This, is, this actually gets kind of funny. Verse 10, this man that was, uh, that was healed, right? Jesus heals him of, this, of his blindness. He begins to see. So therefore, again, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees and all them, they said to him, verse 10, how were, you, how were your eyes opened? How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. Does that sound like some great like discourse that like this guy really studied and prepared, you know, for a long time to be able to explain? No, I just bore witness to what happened. And then they said to him, Well, where is he? And he said, I don't know. So they brought him, who was formerly blind, to the Pharisees. And now it was the Sabbath. Jesus had made the clay and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes. I washed and I see. This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath, the Pharisees said. Others said, well, how can a man who is a sinner do such things, such signs? And there was a division among them. So there's all this unrest, this confusion, and then the blind man from birth, far from the scholar, speaks up, and look at how he pierces through all of this confusion of the worldly intellect with his testimony. He says, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And he said, well, he's a prophet. And then the Jews did not believe concerning him 
that he had been blind and received his sight. So they called his parents. And then they said to them, saying, is this your son who was born from blind? How does he see? And his parents said, well, we know this is our son. Yes, we can witness to that. And we know he was born blind. We, we can bear witness to that. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Uh, and what, who opened his eyes, we do not know. He's of age. Ask him and let him speak for himself. And then jumping down to verse 25, he answered and said, Look, this Jesus, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. And then they said to him again, Well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? This is where it gets funny. And he said to them, Uh... I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? Can you imagine, right? It says right here, and then they reveled him, right? That probably just infuriated him. But sounds to me like this guy's getting the upper hand in the whole conversation debate thing just by bearing witness to his testimony. Well, why do you want to hear it again? I already told you. Do you want to be his disciples too? And they reveled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. And then the man answered and said to them, why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where this man is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Like they're saying, why is it such an amazing thing? You don't know where this guy is from. You're missing the fact that I was blind and I see, and this guy did it, right? They're seeing all of the other stuff. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world has began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Holy cow, all of a sudden, this faith is coming out of this guy, and he's starting to speak things that are influencing this, this situation and beginning to silence the naysayers and the opposers. And then in verse 34, they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin, and you were teaching us, and then they cast him out. They finally just had enough, right, and they just let him go. So you can see from the testimony that this man had, look how firmly that he was able to stand in the in the in the face of what would probably be the greatest opposition we could think of as far as an intellectual debate would go, this guy born blind from birth gets healed and he silences the smartest men in Israel, right? Unbelievable. And then the last one that I just wanted to share, and I won't go through this whole story, but it's the one of the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. And, uh, you know, Jesus comes to the well and he asks for a drink of water and she freaks out that he's asking her for a drink because she's a Samaritan woman and he's a Jewish rabbi and that's not supposed to happen. And so then he, she says, you know, uh, I can't believe you asked me for a drink of water. And then he says to her, you know, if you'd asked me for water, I'd give you a drink of living water, you know, that never runs dry and that rushing water would belly up from uh, bubble up from your belly and spring up into everlasting life. And he's basically proclaiming the fact that he is the Messiah. Then he goes on to tell her, this is funny, in verse 16, he says, go, go call your, your husband and have him come here. And then the woman answered and said, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said well that you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you're with now is not your husband, and that you have truly spoke. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. And so this woman, she sees that Jesus is telling her these things. There's, Jesus is doing something in her life. He's showing himself real as he would do in many different ways. And he will do for us continually show himself real, whether it's like this or a different way. And then in verse 25, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he, declared himself to be the Messiah. And then jumping down in verse 28, listen to what happens. The woman left her water pot, went her way 
into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came to him. Jesus, this woman has now received a testimony. Something has happened. She's bore witness to the Messiah. He's told her things that, that no one could know. And so now she's sharing this testimony. And what's happening? It is creating an interest and a draw in all kinds of people around that are coming to hear about who this Jesus is and see what this is all about. And then when you go to verse 39, the conclusion of the story, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified because of the word of the woman who testified the testimony that's been birthed in us precedes more great and mighty things that God will continue to do not only in our lives as we stand on faith going forward but also in the lives of others around us that God uses to divinely create opportunities for his glory to be on display so the Samaritans had come to him, and they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two more days, and many more believed because of his own word. Now they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, but for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now all of a sudden, what? You see what happened there? They have their own testimony. They have their own testimony. And now the element of faith has been produced in them that cannot be denied by anyone else. It's just spread. It's just spread. A testimony is so powerful. It's so powerful. Go, just go to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to end right here. I want to show you something. I want to show you something that God showed me in the scriptures here that relates to the power of a testimony. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And this is what God showed me. Look, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And by it, faith the elders obtained a good testimony. Before the testimony happens, before something that we bear witness to occurs, faith has to first exist. Faith precedes a God-given testimony, right? We've got to believe. We've got to believe that God can do what we believe he can do. We've, just, we've got to have an element of faith, just a measure of faith, Mustard seed for God to be able to move from his place in heaven and do something right here in little old me's life on little old earth to display his glory and power all over the place. Paul talked about how we live from faith to faith, right? And as we're going from one encounter of faith to the next, where our faith is being challenged and tested, and then we exercise our faith and our belief, and then a testimony occurs that builds that faith up strong, that then allows us to continue to move forward with more force and more faith as we go along, and more people begin to, to see that and bear witness to that, that we, we accumulate or acquire or obtain testimony after testimony after testimony. And in that, there is so much power. But faith precedes every testimony. Let's stand to our feet.